Hi guys, this is Eric Chavalet with Bearing Point speaking and you're listening to 5 Minutes Ahead. So today I have the pleasure to have with me Raphael Pages. Pages? Wow, it's hard for me to say. In French we say Pages. Raphael, I let you correct me on that. Uh, from Volograms. We're going to discuss today about, about deep tech, AI and, and what it means to basically uh, uh, run solutions like this. You probably uh, have seen my uh, avatar if you've been following us on uh, on LinkedIn. You must have seen my hologram actually announcing uh, the podcast. And that hologram was uh, done with Volograms. So, Rafa, maybe I'll let you introduce yourself and, and what you do before we, we, we go deeper into the discussion. Definitely. And, and thanks so much for having me. By the way, you pronounced my, my last name correctly. It's Pages, <laughs> although I, I also accept Pages because it has a kind of a uh, Catalan and French uh, uh, background, I guess. So that's how you would pronounce it in, in, in French or, or in Catalan. So, but Pages, it's how I do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and yes, well, I'm, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Volograms. Um, we are um, an Irish startup based in Dublin. And, and what we do is uh, we have an AI technology to turn uh, videos and photos of, uh, of humans into 3D models, basically. So you can uh, create these holographic messages just recording them using one single camera, one single viewpoint. And, and our AI technology is able to extrapolate and create this uh, amazing holographic uh, representations of people uh, that then you can use to, I don't know, pitch uh, a podcast, for example, <laughs> pitch a new product or or to use it for all kinds of marketing activations and communications. It's actually a really good way of, uh, of delivering messages uh, that is very effective and it's very, uh, let's say, engaging. It's pretty amazing to, to see how people are using it right now. <laughs> That, that, that's good. So how did you come to the idea of the hologram? Was it your, your first intention or where did you start and when did you start? <laughs> yeah, so um, Volgram started already five years ago in 2018. Um, we are a spin-out from Trinity College in Dublin. So uh, Jan, Costas and myself, the three founders, we were working together at Trinity College in, in Dublin and we were looking to develop technologies that would allow us to uh, create more content for virtual and augmented reality, which were, uh, I guess that at that time it was the um, the time where the Hololens was uh, announced and where uh, the Oculus Rift and and the Vive, uh, the HTC Vive, you know, all these VR headsets, and uh, there was not that much content in them. So we, from an academic perspective, we were trying to uh, generate more more ways of creating new content. Uh, so the, the way we started was basically trying to replicate the, the bullet time effect in, in the movie The Matrix, if you remember, when Neo jumps and the camera moves around. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we were trying to do it with uh, a lot fewer cameras because the original, the original um, recording or the original setup was using 100 cameras um, kind of placing kind of a ring structure and then inside of a green screen studio. So we were trying to do it with... Um, five phones, you know, uh, outdoors with moving subjects. So basically everything that can go wrong all together into one single scene. And, um, and to be able to do it, we built uh, this 3D reconstruction algorithm that worked with uh, a very reduced number of cameras. And that ended up being the, let's say, the beginning of, of holograms. Because for a couple of years, the first couple of years, we were focusing on on doing, let's say, in-studio captures with uh, relatively small studios that only use standard cameras. 
Um, so that was the origin. That's how we we, we started creating this uh, volumetric models or holographic models, if you wish, that uh, um, a lot of companies have been using for their own purposes. And we started mm -hmm. serving these creator creator uh, ecosystem and communities. Okay. And and how is it how complicated it is to move from a hundred cameras to five to one because the the <laughs> now you you basically using only one camera facing the 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 the, the guy recording his hologram right yeah definitely so it it is complicated but um I guess that it is uh, there's also like a um road or a, a path to, to get to that point. So for us, it makes a lot of sense, right? So we started um, trying to build this solution that would work with almost any volumetric capture setup, um, which meant that we had to take care of the capture side, we had to take care of the processing side and also the delivery, so the encoding, the compression. There was many different parts of a massive, very large pipeline of 3D reconstruction. Uh, so when we decided to go and, and and do it with one single camera, one single viewpoint, we had to significantly change this pipeline, but uh, we already had uh, parts of the pipeline already uh, kind of built that were common. You know, we could do, uh, you know, the tracking, the compression, the encoding was very similar. Part of the segmentation was also very similar. So part of the, of the more high-end professional pipeline could be used also for the monocular single view 3D reconstruction um, algorithms. So we had to uh, change the way that we were doing things from a, let's say, business point of view, from a marketing point of view, and of course, from a technology point of view. But we wouldn't have been able to do something like that if we first um, weren't uh, for a couple of years, you know, doing professional high-end captures. Mm -hmm. um, there's an important point there to mention also, which is that, um, as, as you mentioned, we're an AI company, right? So we do this with AI, um, which means that you need a lot of data to train the, the AI algorithms to be able to learn how to get a 3D model of a person. And we train these algorithms with the models that we were capturing in the professional studios. So having the professional business before having the, let's say, the monocular business, uh, helped us generate this massive database of photorealistic 3D models of humans that then we use for training the data. So I guess that's a, adds another layer of complication to the whole process. Okay, so so it's an inter interesting comment that that you make because we we like a year ago the metaverse was was very high in in was an hype. Uh, now we're talking about generative AI as as another hype. I think people confusing generative AI and AI, and it's not very clear. So mm -hmm. can you explain us in a little bit more detail what it means by, by training the AI algorithm to recognize or, or to be able to build a 3D capture, basically? What, yeah, what do you tell um, by that? Exactly. So there's, um, there's a lot of points here. Um, when you're talking about <clears throat> AI and, and generative AI, which is just, let's say, one part of what AI is, um, you're talking about teaching a computer or an algorithm uh, to think basically like a human does. Uh, these, it's, it's of course oversimplified, uh, but what you do when you're when you're a, a human, you're basically learning by seeing things many different many different times and learning patterns in these things, right? So you yeah. you don't learn 
what an apple is by getting a set of instructions like it has to be round, it has to be green or or yellow yeah. or red. It has to come from this type of tree. No, you see an apple and again and again and again and again and you, you get used to seeing that. That's basically training that we get in our minds. And, and uh, most of AI works this way. So sometimes you need to see a lot of data to be able to understand um, how uh, an image is, a pattern to recognize a person or, or to identify um, something and or to be able to even predict what somebody's going to be saying, right? Um, so this is what I mean by training. Uh, we basically um, taught an algorithm to understand or to, to be able to explicitly show you the shape of a person, let's say the where the arms are, the legs are, the shape of the face, just by looking at that person from one single angle, right? So from the front, typically. So you mm -hmm. get a photo, and from the photo, we're extrapolating the full 3D shape and also the colors of the of the person. So this means that if you, once you get the 3D model from that photo, you go around the the, the 3D model, and you're able to see the back of the, of the of the person, while you were never given the algorithm how the back how your the back of your head looks or your back looks. So the algorithm itself has learned the necessary patterns to uh, to figure out what the shape and appearance of a person is just by looking at that person from one single viewpoint. And for that, it needs to see a lot of 3D models <laughs> because otherwise it is impossible to, for, for the algorithm to know, you know, mm. how it should look. So Rafa, how many people did you use to train the model? And at the beginning, I assume you were in, the, in the, the studio. So how many people are we talking about to make sure the algorithm knows what he's doing, what he has yeah. to do? Yeah, definitely. So there, uh, as, as uh, I mentioned earlier, for the first couple of years uh, at Volograms, we were focusing on capturing people in studio. So for instance, the, the studio that we have in Dublin has 12 cameras. Uh, so it, it's able to basically get a full 3D reconstruction, full 3D accurate 3D model of a, of a person uh, from every angle. Um, but we were also doing captures in other of our partner studios. So um, we had, for instance, Samsung, uh, Samsung XR Studio in, in Dallas in, in the US. Uh, we were doing captures in their studio and, and they had 80 something cameras. I think it's, it was 84 or 86 cameras. So you could get very, very high end, a lot of details uh, from each capture. And the other interesting thing is that you get, um, every time you do a recording, say for instance, that you're doing um, one minute of a recording, or let's, let's keep it simpler. If you're doing one second uh, mm -hmm. of a of volumetric video, you're getting, if you're shooting at 30 frames per second, you're getting 30 3D models for each second that you're capturing. So that person that is speaking as you were speaking, you know, in, in, your, in your capture, imagine that you are doing it in your studio, you're moving, you're dancing, you're actually doing a lot of gestures that are very natural. So you get a lot of um, diversity of 3D models by each of these captures. So we've had a database of more than 60,000, so 60,000 mm -hmm. uh, 3D models in our backend that we use uh, for the captures. Uh, of course, some of these captures are uh, of the same person. So we have to be very careful also. So the, the neural network doesn't overtrain into a specific person. Um, but there's a, a lot of variability in terms of uh, genders, uh, body shapes, uh, 
in terms of clothing items that people are wearing, all kinds of movements. Also, like there's dancing, there's like more speaking, like there's a little bit of everything. And uh, and that's fundamental also if you want your algorithm to be able to recover as many types of movements as possible. I see. And and the model is it is it? I'm curious. Is it still learning, or do you reach a level where you don't need to train him anymore? How does it? I mean, how do you get it better? Yeah. Basically? So we we always we are training it all the time um, in different ways. Of course, you can refine it and continue to train, make it tra uh, to train it so it gets a little bit better. But basically, what we do is that we improve also the the input data that we provided to him to it. So when we started, we were only giving it the the um, let's say the segmentation mask, so the person subtracted from the background, <laughs> let's say, plus mm -hmm. the color image, and that was everything that it needed. But with time, we started to add more layers on top of it. So for instance, now we also have semantic segmentation. So we also give it like labels about this is um, this is your jumper, and this is your trousers, and uh, this is hair, this is right arm, left arm, things like that. So that information is very useful also uh, for, the, for the algorithm to be able to get as, as accurate as possible uh, result. Uh, but we also given it other type of input data, like photometric normals. So we have a neural network that is uh, specifically trained to get photometric normals. And, and that's really good because it also gives you more details into, let's say, if you're wearing a shirt, it will give you the color or you're, it's able to give you like some facial uh, uh, details that we were not able to retrieve at the beginning. So every time we had a new layer, we have to retrain <laughs> the whole neural network. So and that takes some time, as you can imagine. So uh, we try to improve this. We do it silently, so we don't uh, sometimes announce it until uh, it's uh, totally proven and and um, people are already seeing the improvements. And, mm -hmm. and but we keep adding these layers and this this type of information to the network, so it can get better and better. Okay, and, and does it mean that every time you're, you're adding a new layer, you train on the 60,000 model that you already have in database, or you are as well every time get new models on, on top of that? Yeah, so that, that's the other point. So you can also, um, we still every now and then do professional production. So every time there's a new professional production, we add those algorithm, sorry, those models to the, to the training database. So yeah, the, the database keeps improving too. Okay. So t t tell us a little bit more about your, your latest product, the Vologram messages, uh, because, uh, and, and I experimented it uh, for the podcast, as I said in the introduction, and basically we, I was filming, well, I didn't use my phone, I could have done it with my phone, but the, the, the sound was not good. So I actually went to, uh, uh, a studio to to take uh, to, to have uh, my video for 30 seconds uh, and it's a new product right it, it, it's it's a very recent uh, um, uh, launch that you you made can you tell us a little bit more about the program messages of course I mean everything that I've been telling until now is is basically uh, focused on the technology and the backend technology right everything that we're doing under the hood to go from a 2D photo or a 2D video into a 3D model or into a volumetric video, right? Uh, but of course, this is not a final product. That's just the core technology. And and uh, the final product is always what whatever our creators do with it. So typically, we've been focusing a lot on, on serving the, the developer community. So if you wanted to have um, a photorealistic 3D human into your own application, 
you could go to one of these big volumetric capture setups or you could do it with uh, our technology just using your phone which would be significantly cheaper and would allow you to iterate a lot faster um, but what we wanted to achieve also was uh, a way to reach uh, marketeers and people that were uh, presenting their own products communicators etc without the need of having to go through let's say a full creative process with a developer so they could directly go and buy it and use it because that was the way that we thought um, we could scale the product more more easily and faster and also make it more useful for for as many people as possible so we decided to develop this, this new product called Vologram Messages, which is basically a way of delivering a message as a vologram, because that's how we call these 3D models. We call them volograms, not, uh, not volumetric videos or holograms. <laughs> we call them volograms. <laughs> so you can deliver a message as a vologram. So it's uh, normally targeted to uh, people doing marketing, sales, uh, internal communications, and it's been used for now for um, pitching different types of things, including your podcast was a, is a good example. But we've had like an architectural uh, um, company doing uh, a project and presenting it as a hologram, and both as with the person, the lead architect, and also the the full let's say site. Uh, um, in augmented reality, we had people uh, introducing their new album or uh, introducing their startups, uh, the events that they're gonna be doing. And the idea is you send us a video with whatever you're recording. You can normally, most of the times we receive videos captured with the phone. It is true that if you are able to get higher quality, so with a DSLR camera and a proper microphone, then the result will be better also. But we wanna keep it simple. So even the, the, vo the Volgram message example that we have, which is me, of course, pitching Volgram messages, was captured with a phone, uh, so no professional audio or anything like that. So, um, And the idea is that you send us the video and what we return to you, it's a, a web AR experience um, using 8th Wall, if you're familiar with uh, web AR, that you can already share and distribute. So this means that you don't need to get into um, developing anything, downloading anything. You, the only thing you do is just record yourself. So the whole process now is extremely simple. Um, you send us the video and there you go. Uh, you will receive a full web AR experience. Uh, we have different templates that you can uh, you can choose from and you can, of course, modify them and, and create your own unique thing. And, uh, and right now we're pretty excited to see what people are actually coming to us uh, with uh, different types of ideas and things that they want to do with this type of communications. And so what are the, 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 the case you're seeing? Because yeah, when I first talked to you about that, it, it was at the beginning we were launching the podcast and, and for mm -hmm. me it was, I was like, oh yeah, that's going to be a great way to communicate. But that's, I guess, one way to, to use it. What are the other use cases that you're, you're having or, or how people are, are using it only to communicate or for communication or do you have any... Yeah, I, th I think that communication is it's the, the key use case, right? But uh, communication is also like a very broad <laughs> term. It includes many different things, right? So marketing is a way of communication. Sales is a way of communications. And, and in the improper internal communications is, of course, another another example. So the, these three cases are typically the ones that, that we're targeting, uh, but we're all keeping our minds open. So... Um, just to give you a few examples of how people are using it. So we had um, a Spanish uh, a musician pitching their new album in augmented reality. We had 
um, uh, uh, Ori Imbar doing it uh, last year for the first time for Augmented uh, World Expo, pitching the 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 event using also a hologram message. Uh, we've had a marketing campaign done by uh, Dove Chocolates, uh, so Mars Mars Brightly, uh, one of the biggest American chocolate brands, uh, with uh, uh, supporting women that were women entrepreneurs that were pitching their own companies. So their own um, these these women were actually pitching their own companies in in this marketing campaign done by uh, by Dove Chocolates. Um, we've had also like another more more training type of uh, vologram message which was about beekeeping you know like uh, uh, from uh, another company doing like uh, beekeeping training and, and mm -hmm. education um, so in general you see it's whenever you want to deliver a message and you think that it's going to be more effective if you do it as a person than actually doing it as a you know like an avatar or like an animated or or like a 2d video a 2d video it's fine but uh it's, we're kind of tired already <laughs> of saturated yeah. all this 2d video so if you want to do it in a more effective way and you want to share it easily just with a link or with a qr code we think that uh we can actually help you um and and you can do it as a bottom message okay so the you explain you explain the processes to, to get it and basically to be able to, to generate uh, that uh, hologram. And we saw that there's a lot of deep tech behind. So I'm, I'm guessing there's a, a heavy burden on the cost, uh, I'm assuming. And, and therefore, it's not necessarily uh, a, a mass market product like, like we do pictures on, on, on Instagram or things like this. How far are you from basically... Do going mass market to everybody because today your your target is more B two B, right? From from a business point of view, yes. But um, the truth is that the very first glimpse of what um, our technology could do, the single view three D reconstruction technology, was uh, an app that we released to the public called Volume. And actually, you can you can download it right now from the App Store and uh, and play with it and do your own captures for five seconds. So the um, we actually, the, within the technology, is ready for the mass market. It's, it might be more than the the true, let's say, native um, ecosystem where this thrives is typically augmented reality, and probably we're a little bit early also in the augmented reality space. So um, we think that right now, if you want to do AR, uh, it makes more sense to sell it directly to businesses, and that's why we've been focusing on on uh, selling it to the developers and the creators that are building these amazing experiences, but also the marketeers and the communicators directly through hologram messages. Um, there is, a, a, the, the first part of the question was about the, the cost, you know, and, and the burden. So everything that we're doing right now runs on, on the cloud. So you do the recording, even if it's in the app, you do the recording on the, on the app, and then it goes to the cloud, we do the reconstruction and return it to you. Um, if we do it with hologram messages, it's the same. So we. Uh, it takes a little bit longer because typically there are longer messages. So there is a cost associated with doing it. Uh, when we do um, the the free captures in, in the app, in volume, it costs us a few cents every time somebody does a capture. But I think that uh, that's basically the price you have to pay, let's say, if you want to run very high-end uh, complex AI models uh, that run also fast, you know, because we do have a version that works on device directly and that costs us nothing, but uh, it, it still takes too much time for the, let's say, the user to um, to have to wait for it and, and, and yeah. keep the, the app open and it uses a lot of battery and so on. So I think that 
for mobile devices, we're still a little bit far from being able to have a full product that works for at least for videos. And we might be able to do it with with images <laughs> and, and and static 3D models. So there is there is a cost, and and of course um, we've worked a lot to optimize the processes so it takes the least amount of time possible because that also means that it costs the the least <laughs> uh, yeah. to process processor usage and how long does it take to to rebuild the, the the model like like i know we worked on a 30 seconds video what's what's the treatment uh process yeah, so behind? for instance in the in the app uh the it's five second videos that we are allowing and it takes around 10 minutes to process uh we're of course optimi optimizing for cost not really for performance for the 30 second videos that um, that you were recording for your podcast, I think it could take like a more or less one hour or so to process. Uh, we could optimize it and do it at even at le less processing time, but uh, but I think right now that's not the the bottleneck. So we're we're focusing on on making it uh, highest quality uh, more than um, running faster for mm -hmm. the professionals. Yeah, and and after one hour, do you have to to retreat the results by hand, or or is it already at the level that we are seeing? No, um, this is a fully automated process, and actually, as I said, you can try directly in the app. And the app, there's nobody supervising anything. For the professionals and the hologram messages, we will do like a, a quality check just to make sure that everything went well. But uh, there's no cleanup, uh, manual cleanup process where somebody gets the 3D models and now starts changing them or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's more to make sure that nothing went wrong and that the result that we're delivering is good. Uh, but there's no there's no manual intervenance uh, once the, the models are processed. That that that's pretty amazing because uh, okay I knew that I shouldn't have my hand in front of my T-shirt if I didn't want to have my my hand printed on the T-shirt basically or that <laughs> kind of, of weird stuff that we can find on uh, on uh, your website. So Ludo was guiding me to make sure that my hand were were properly set. But the result is 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 pretty amazing. I I, I couldn't wear my glasses, but uh, but still it it works uh, very flu fluently. Yeah, I think there's, um, of course, when you're doing volumetric capture in general, you have to think about the, what are the limitations of the technology. And even if you go to a very high-end volumetric capture studio with 100 cameras, uh, people from the studio will tell you, be careful, don't use glasses or do use anything transparent because that's not going to get reconstructed. Or be careful on using these certain types of materials or certain types of movements because th those could be problematic. So when you're doing it with one single capture, one single, sorry, one single video or one single viewpoint, uh, there's other types of limitations. And of course, one of them is going to be resolution. We're using a, a neural network. So this means that we have to reduce the size of the images to be able to um, output, let's say, a full 3D reconstruction model. And this means that little details sometimes get lost. Um, so that's why we, we train you and say, okay, you're going to be wearing glasses. The thin structures of your glasses definitely are not going to come. And it's going to look like your glasses are printed on your face, <laughs> you know, like yeah. you're wearing some kind of mask. <laughs> so it's better not to do it with glasses. But of course, we always leave it open and say, look, if you prefer then you or you're not recognizable without the glasses, then of course, go, go ahead and do it that way. Um, the other thing that you mentioned about the hand, it's basically to help the algorithm, right? So you're, we, we're trying to get, uh, or we're, we're getting a 3D model just from one single viewpoint. So, which means that you're making a lot of assumptions about how you look from the back and how uh, things are 
uh, in terms of uh, positions just based on, on one single viewpoint and and that is tough so if you if you put for instance the, your hands in front of your body you're gonna create this uh, occluded areas you know like areas of your body that are not visible uh, to the camera which means that the algorithm is gonna have to guess <laughs> that doesn't mean that it's not gonna work I mean it actually works most of the times but if you do it you're risking it that for some reason then maybe a finger is gone and that finger might be printed on your t-shirt as you as you very well <laughs> said <laughs> so we said okay you want to do it do it but keep in mind that these things might be problematic so we want our, our clients to actually get the best result possible so that's why we give you you know a list of things that we recommend you do uh for instance if you are just like me and and you like talking with your hands a lot <laughs> so yeah, instead of putting them in front too. of your body yeah <laughs> instead of putting them in front of your body just open them up a little bit more like as if you were presenting and that it's perfectly fine for the algorithm because it's gonna it's not gonna create these occlusions and then it means that the result is gonna be better so um it's always up to the the client to decide what they want to do but we have to be upfront you know and and give what we think are the best practices and things that you should follow to make sure that the result is as good as possible of course of course so i see time is clicking rafa la last question because we we talk about ar and obviously the hologram is a is a ar communication does it change a lot of things for you the announcement of uh, Apple with the the Pro the Vision Pro headset? Um, <laughs> will it change something for you? What's your take on that? Hopefully, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, I think everyone in the industry was pretty excited, uh, one way or another, you know, about the announcement. Um, it is an expensive device, of course, and and I think a lot of people are not going to be able to buy it or to afford it but it's basically a way of uh, validating a whole industry that i think a lot of people still have questions about when you get apple to get into the space for us it's, it's actually perfect because it's it's a new platform uh with a very well supported developer ecosystem that is going to require uh 3d models and 3d assets uh, for their new experiences so the same way that you were sharing your Volagram message as a, as a web link, you know, and people were able to see it in where they are using their phones. Uh, we expect that there will be a way of also doing that. So your Volagram message will show up directly into the 3D space within the, the Apple glasses, right? The, the Vision Pro. So I think it's perfect for us because it's, it's actually a new platform. And I think there's going to be more people wanting to do things like this as, as, soon, as soon as we start to be more familiar with these 3D spaces and uh, environments more than mm -hmm. the, the 2D screens that we're used to right now. No, no, that's, that's good. So, so are you guys going to get one, uh, one headset and, and start uh, testing on it or what's your plan? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to see because uh, we still don't even know when it's going to be launched, but uh, initially it's only going to be launched in the US. Uh, but I think we, we will, uh, for sure, uh, just to make sure that we are among the first uh, to port all, all of our technology so to make sure that it works there. I'm pretty conf confident that it's not going to take too much to do because um, uh, the we already have an app that works on iOS with uh, already plays our models, etc. So as as they have said in, in the WWDC, you know, the developer conference, um, that it's going to be relatively simple to port your existing apps and, and your existing content directly to the Vision Pro and we expect it to be just like that. So hopefully okay. it will be very simple to do. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see the, the, the result.
So Rafa, thanks a lot for this conversation. It was very insightful. And at least now I, uh, I will be able to explain my kids what uh, AI uh, is uh, using your Apple example because they know about ChatGPT and how to basically uh, do their homework on, on their behalf, but uh, not much about what it is behind. <laughs> so thanks a lot for this. And uh, to all, see you soon. Thank you, Rafa. Thank you very much. Bye-bye, guys. Bye.